This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Future Talk podcast. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnial Saleh and Hany Balkis. Welcome back to Future Talk right here on Pulse 95. It is me, Hani Belqis, with Omnia Saleh, bringing you everything you need to know about what's happening in the tech world, in the UAE, and around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Sunday, fun day. Hope you guys had a very good and well-deserved long weekend. I was in a coma for two days, <laughs> literally. Uh, Why, I'm not, that's not a joke. I know, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, you were waiting for this long weekend, and I'm sure a lot of people were so excited for it but it's always hard to come back to a new work day a new sunday after a long weekend no Feel that's fine i'm actually really excited on you today excited yes. i am as Are well you not excited i'm Omnia? so excited we have a packed show in store for all yeah. of you starting with the uae because we're going to be talking all about the brand new updates that are coming to al-husun application this app has become our lifeline during the covid 19 pandemic especially for those living in the emirate of abu dhabi so what are those new updates and how are they going to be coming in handy we're going to be sharing all of that in just a few moments yes and facebook has made headlines once again ladies and gentlemen as they have encrypted their messenger calls and it is now in a move to kind of you know say hey our <laughs> calls are private and they're secure and they're encrypted kind of weird because you know uh, facebook does own whatsapp and whatsapp has been encrypted for a while now yes indeed we're also going to be having a very interesting discussion today with farah shamut who is the assistant professor emerging scholar at nyu university in abu dhabi she has actually done a lot of research in regards to improving breast cancer detection in ultrasound imaging by using artificial intelligence in the past we have heavily depended on ultrasounds but they're not always as accurate as we hope they'd be so how can we improve the system and how is artificial intelligence coming in handy? She's going to be telling us all about that in just a few moments. Yes, and also we're talking about a chameleon. Mm-hmm. I mean, when a you, lizard. When, when you hear about chameleon, what, do you, what, what, what is the first thing that comes to your brain? Camouflage. Me big eyes. <laughs> you know, you know, you've seen one, right? Yes, I've Have seen one. Have you ever touched one? Of course not. I've had them on my hand before. Oh my God, Back no. in Florida. So, so mm-hmm. in, in, in Florida, you know, there's a lot of them. Yeah. And you know, Floridians are kind of crazy. They you love know, them? They, in, iguanas, you oh, know, lizards, God. huge lizards. In the backyard, we used to run after those when we were children. But you know, I've touched the, uh, what's it a called? Baby the chameleon. One? It was pretty big. Yeah, I know. His eyes were like that. Oh my God. So crazy. It gives me nightmares sometimes. <laughs> but uh, today we're talking about how a scientist has designed a robotic chameleon that crawls and even changes colors. Now, synthetic skin, that's what all I can t- I can say. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be taking a short break, but when we come back, we're talking all about Al Husan app and the changes to it that just might change your life. Pulse 95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. As often as you use your social media applications, right here in the UAE, there is one app that there is no way you're not going to find it on every person's phone. And that app is Al Husn. It has become our lifeline during the COVID-19 pandemic. And a lot of people kind of depend on it to find out their PCR test results, sometimes print out PCR test certificates, as well as use it to enter the Emirate of Abu Dhabi. But today, we are talking about an announcement that came regarding this app and how it has actually been updated with some important 
important new features, one of them being having the green QR code, which we've always seen, but now it's actually becoming a live QR code, as well as including your travel history, certain certificates, as well as vaccine information. Yes, now the app does feature three colors. We're talking about green, gray, or even red. Now, obviously, green does mean a negative PCR test result is still valid. Mm -hmm. Gray does mean its validity has expired and red. The color you don't want to see. Yeah, (laughs) it means the test result is positive. Now, we kind of associate it with the stop sign. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, uh, you know, when you're driving on the road, you see the red light means stop. So when you see that, you got to stop work, you got to go back home mm-hmm. and quarantine. Hopefully, you guys never get that red sign or red QR go- uh, code again. But starting August 20th, entry to most public places in Abu Dhabi is limited to those who are only vaccinated and exempted from vaccination and participants in vaccine trials. Now, there must be proof, and that proof will be shown via Al Hussan app. And we've been seeing Al Hussan app being used heavily in the UAE, not only to enter Abu Dhabi, but to move around Abu Dhabi, and even at a point going and coming from Abu Dhabi International Airport. Yes, indeed. And now, actually, even right here in the heart of Sharjah, university students are going to be using it heavily. I can tell you for a fact, the American University of Sharjah, they're not going to be allowing any student in. How was it, Omnia? If you don't show the green PCR QR code on upon entry. How was it going back to campus? I'm not yet back on campus. We go back Mm. on the 29th, but there are so many forms about Mm -mm -mm. filling up your COVID return form. I heard there's going to be some classes, some. Almost all, actually. Mm. So I can tell you for a fact. Do you think that you'll have to, you know, show your QR code before going into class? Yeah. Each class? No, not each class. When you enter the campus, the security guard won't let you in oh without boy. a green. And you have to test every two weeks. Oh, boy. So lots of PCRs coming in. But what's interesting about the new update that's coming for al Husan app is now it's actually going to be able to showcase your vaccination information, which is very important now with the return to school and students returning back to university. It's also going to be showcasing your travel history. So if you've traveled anywhere, anywhere anytime soon, it's also going to be showcased on the app as well as the live QR code that we've always been accustomed to. What's also interesting is now that people are traveling, we've been having our parents come over we've been traveling different places all of those tourists can actually be added to mm-hmm. residence um, al-husan application mm-hmm. so you can actually add your parents your children to the application itself and showcase their results as part of al-husan app even if they're not old enough to have their own version of al-husan app yeah and i do believe because of that update i got signed out Ooh, right. So you gotta I'll, sign in again. I gotta sign in again, and users can log in using their Emirates ID, Unified ID, or even their phone number. I will be doing that in a couple of minutes. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to know how do you guys feel? I feel much safer, Same. to be honest. I mean, especially for university students, a lot of kids are. You know, there's a lot of memes, Omnia, <laughs> online. You know, be like uh, 2019 senior in high school. Yeah. 2021 sophomore in university, right? And they haven't been on campus for a day. Honey, I've, I think I during my entire master's, I've been to campus on my first but, semester and my last semester. But, but let's That's be, it. Let's be honest, Omni. <laughs> you as a master's student, you kind of, you don't really care about the campus. But you miss you know? the life of it, you know? Because you're a working person. You True. Go, you do this. But, you know, for some, for a university yeah. student. You miss out. Who only has university, you know, I feel like a lot of people or a lot of students are like, man. 
I wish. They always tell you they're the best four years of your life if yeah, you've well, had them we during. Yeah, we lived them. If yeah, if you've had them during COVID, you've kind of missed out on some of the most fun years of your life. Well, hopefully soon. I do believe by next year, mid 2022, we should have life back to normal. But ladies and gentlemen, we're taking a short break. But when we come back, we're talking all about Facebook Messenger introducing more private conversations, and that just might trigger something. <laughs> Maybe a lot more privacy concerns. You're listening to Pulse 95. Daily digital news. Bits and bytes connect our world. Prime. <laughs> we got so excited. You want to talk about Facebook, Omnia? I want to talk about privacy. Oh, I know. Omnia, ladies and gentlemen, she's very, you know, keen on her privacy, you know? I'm, I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg wants to know everything, everything about Omnia Saleh. Everything about Future Talk. No, I, I don't think he's very interested in me. I think he's interested in you a lot. I think we're all interested in privacy. And that's why we're talking about Facebook Messenger and how yeah. they're actually rolling out encrypted calls nowadays, which I have a lot of thoughts regarding on how encryption kind of goes. A thought or thoughts? Thoughts. Okay thoughts to be more specific but you know whenever we're talking on voice calls video calls a lot of people are actually very wary they they're they take their precautions whenever they're on these calls whenever they're talking about certain things you always i personally have heard a lot of relatives say oh a lot of people are listening on this conversations you know well, yeah it's it, it's very funny i'll tell you why why because you know as soon as you said calls and talking on the phone yeah it reminded me of our conversation last week Hello, okay. So you, you know, when people start screaming when they're When ta- you talk internationally. Internationally, right? And then I was like, man, honey, don't laugh, right? She doesn't know. She got to laugh too. And then you said relatives. Yeah. And then, you know, it kind of put the icing on the cake. It's the same situation same situ- once again. Same situation. You know, there is an inside joke mm. with, you know, hey, they're listening to us, right? Mm. And it's been an inside joke for as long as I can tell. I mean, even when we're gaming sometimes. You know, Omni, it's went to that point. Yeah. So I have friends who use hacks on games. Okay. Right? They'll yeah. hack a game. You know, like cheat codes. Cheat codes. Yeah, yeah. You know, they'll be, they want an aimbot. They want to get an insta kill. Yeah. So I'd be like, hey man, that hack is working really good. He's like, no, 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 don't say it. It's not a hack. It's not a hack. I'm like, dude, what's, what's wrong? He's like, they're, they're listening to oh us. Oh my god. Right. So I mean, that that is that is the new inside joke, or you know, I don't think it's an inside joke anymore at this mm. point. A lot of people kind of say it publicly. But, you know, Facebook on Friday has actually began rolling out encryption for voice or even video calls that are made through its application, which is called Messenger. And it's actually a texting app and even a calling and video calling app, which is, you know, uh, embodied into Facebook app. Yes, indeed. Now, when we talk about encryption, a lot of people are like, what is encryption and how does it make a difference on our own privacy? Encryption basically means it's kind of like whenever you send out a message from your phone, it's in a secret code until it receives or it's received by the person you are sending it to. So the only people who are capable of reading that message is yourself and the person who receives it. This is exactly what Facebook is trying to do with messenger calls, texts, you name it. They want conversations to be fully protected from the moment they leave your device until they reach the receiver's device. This does mean that no one should be able to find out what it is that you're talking about, including Facebook. Facebook says that they're not going to be listening on to conversations or what chats so are So they being were doing sent. it before. Like, hey, we're not going to yep. listen to you guys anymore. I mean, we've guys, learned our mistake. And you know, you guys, you guys don't stop. talk about anything interesting, anyways. 
right? So, you know, we're just giving you that encrypted, you know, that privacy feel. The thing is, a lot of people expect that their calls and chats are already encrypted, you know? Some people don't realize that Facebook, WhatsApp, kind of listen to conversations, mm-hmm. especially when they say that they're training their artificial intelligence. Most of the time, it's on chats. It's on our own commands to these applications. But now Facebook has been testing, encrypting group chats and calls on the application itself, as well as direct messages on Instagram. So they're also planning to introduce encryption over there, which makes me wonder why has it not been there since the get-go? I mean, what kind, of, what kind of content do you talk about on Instagram, right? I mean, if it's, a, you know, I feel like Instagram is very broad. True. You don't have, you know, those interpersonal connections or conversations on Instagram. But at the end of the day, it's... Does anyone even use Instagram video calling? DMs, I'm talking there, about. There is video calling. Yeah, there is, but, but I don't feel anyone like even use anyone uses it, honestly. Right? <laughs> Let's know your guys' thoughts for 215, do or on Instagram at Pulse95 Radio. We're taking a short break, but when we come back... We're talking all about using artificial intelligence to better detect breast cancer cases. How is that going to be coming in handy? We're going to be having a very interesting conversation with the assistant professor, emerging scholar at NYU University in Abu Dhabi, Farah Shamut, who's going to be giving us all the details in just a few moments. Yes, keep Pulse 95 locked because we're going to be right back. Pulse 95. Check this out. Check this out. Pulse 95. The big C word, cancer, that's always a topic that a lot of people, doctors, everyone is trying to fight at the moment and ever since it became a part of our lives. Mm -hmm. But with breast cancer in specific, rates have been great when it comes to surviving it, to beating that type of cancer, and it all depends on early detection. Mm -hmm. The early detection of breast cancer, especially in women, is very important so that they can better manage the disease. But with all the different ways of detecting breast cancer, there are still some change and some improvement that could be made, especially when we talk about using artificial intelligence to better detect breast cancer. Joining us today is Assistant Professor, Emerging Scholar at NYU University in Abu Dhabi, Farah Shamut, who has actually completed a lot of studies and has done so much research on how we can better manage and detect breast cancer by using AI. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you, Mia, for having me. Welcome to the show, Farah. Now, you. you know, we hear a lot about breast cancer and, you know, a lot of even a, a lot of people are affected by it. And, you know, when I hear the word breast cancer, then automatically I think of the celebrity Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, well, I don't know what's the procedure they do with uh, the to combat it. Ma- detecting it Detec- or treating it? Treating it. I think mammograms and ultrasounds are yeah. the most well used. No, I. OK. But uh, you mean no, the surgery? The surgery. Oh, yes. yes OK. Yeah, so uh, that, no, that was just the thing that comes to yeah. mind. But, you know, when discussing uh, detecting breast cancer, mammograms and ultrasounds are, we know, the most widely used techniques for early detection. Now, however, we do know that mammography is not always available in those low resource settings. And ultrasound images do tend to lead to a lot of false positive and unnecessary biopsies. Now, I want to ask you, Farah, why does ultrasound imaging sometimes fail these patients? Great question. Um, so going back to mammography, mammography is considered as the most popular screening tool for uh, breast cancer. Mm-hmm. But the issue with mammography is that um, it doesn't work really well for women with dense breast tissue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where ultrasound comes to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, ultrasound is works better for women with breast, uh, dense breast tissue. And it's actually considered as a supplementary mm-hmm. modality to 
um, mammography. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the issue with ultrasound is that there is a lot of intra-reader variability because the um, lesions that are in the breast could vary in terms of size, shape, etc. So this leads to um, a lot of false positives mm-hmm. because ultrasound, the way one radiologist would interpret the ultrasound could it's be different, different from another. Um, and hence it could lead to false positives and then unnecessary biopsies which are completely uncomfortable to women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, a big question that comes to the mind is how can artificial intelligence help counter that? How can we use it to improve the way that whether it was radiologists or even just ultrasound machines kind of detect uh, breast cancer tissues? So with a largely sufficient data set, AI could learn from patterns in those enormous data sets in order to better detect cancer in images that it could see at inference time. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're trying to achieve in our work is to actually assist radiologists. So we want AI to be sort of an additional tool mm-hmm. that can help them augment and improve their decision making. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to be taking a short break. Yeah, and yeah. I believe with machine learning as mm-hmm. well, I mean, there won't be as much false positives or if True. any at all because obviously you're feeding the AI that information and it should be detected uh, you know uh, truly but we're go- again we're going to be taking a short break and when we come back we're talking all about how this artificial intelligence is going to be kind of mimicking the way the radi- radiologists would basically read an ultrasound if you have any questions for Farah Shamut make sure you share them with us at 4215 do it to or sign into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio you're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. This is Future Talk. Future Talk. Future Talk with Omnia al and Hany Balkis. Today we're talking all about early detection of breast cancer. And for those of you who don't know, breast cancer is actually the second most diagnosed cancer in women. It affects one mm-hmm. in eight women in the United States and definitely in different parts around the world. But whenever we're talking about cancer, early detection is always key because it could personally or first off help kind of treating that type of cancer, but also it increases the survival rate. Today, we're talking all about detecting breast cancer with using AI. Joining us today is Farah Shamut, who is Assistant Professor, Emerging Scholar at NYU University in Abu Dhabi. She has done a lot of research and many studies on real-life data uh, when it comes to kind of improving how ultrasounds read breast cancer imaging by using artificial intelligence. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. Hope you're having a good time on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I just actually learned that men can get breast cancer. Farah. <laughs> told us uh, during the break it's possible and you now you didn't know I, you were I surprised yeah i kind of got scared <laughs> for a second i was like no my ch- i'm at risk i'm at risk I'm as at well risk too yeah um Farah, we wanted to ask you a little bit about how this artificial intelligence is capable of reading ultrasound images now we know that with radiologists they kind of do the ultrasound imaging they take some time they generate a report and a lot of the times different radiologists can interpret these images in different ways so how does the ai interpret these images and does it create a more standard way of reading those images when it comes to comparing it by how humans do it? Mm-hmm. So just to give you some context uh, for the listeners, an ultrasound exam consists of several images that mm-hmm. the ul- that's collected through using the ultrasound probe. And so we try to design our AI or what we call a deep neural network, um, or you can also think about it as an algorithm Mm -hmm. uh, to sort of assess those images in a similar way to a radiologist. So what the radiologist does is that they look through roughly all the images with an ultrasound exam Mm -hmm. for abnormal findings. 
And in a similar way, our network first looks through all the images within an ultrasound exam and generates a, let's say, prediction, a per image prediction, on whether there is a breast, um, if there's malignancy or malignant tumor. Um, Which are basically like the bad cancer. Yeah, the cancerous The, the cancer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then the what the radiologist does next is that they actually uh, concentrate on the images that they think would contain those suspicious lesions or mm. would contain cancer. And similarly, our network then combines the information it receives from all those images, but then it uh, assigns attention scores or mm. sort of, let's call them important scores, scores to each image in order to prioritize the images that contain uh, the most useful information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then eventually the uh, radiologist just combines uh, all the information that they've assessed through the images in order to come up with a full diagnosis. And our network does the same, and it comes up with a breast-level prediction from those image-level predictions that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we try to sort of mimic the radiologist's decision-making process as much as possible. But mm. it's interesting that you mention that there are basically like scores. So this, at least, I feel like would give some room of error, or at least some kind of forgiveness when it comes to these scores. So these scores just showcase this is a higher rate or higher risk mm -hmm. of this tumor being malignant mm -hmm. or cancerous versus this tumor being, you know, non-cancerous, no need to pay attention to so it. Like a scale, it. right? Yeah, yeah it's, you can think about it as a probability estimate. So it's like 10% mm -hmm. versus 90%. And mm -hmm. this illustrates the models or the AI's confidence in True. its assessment. So, so let's say, for example, AI detects 70% um, that it might be breast cancer, right? Will then a human go over it? That's the plan. So okay. we, I'm personally not uh, still convinced that we can uh, rely on AI fully. Mm -hmm. I think it needs to be a hybrid sort of relationship between the AI and the human radiologist. And how long have you guys been working on to create this AI? Uh, we started working on this in February 2020, so just mm -hmm. before the pandemic. And uh, we recently released our paper um, on archives. So if you're mm -hmm. interested in reading more, you can find more details there. And you, nice. you, know, you did mention the COVID-19 pandemic. Was it a little bit hard, you know, working throughout the pandemic? It was definitely hard. Um, one advantage of our research is that we can all do it all remote. So because it's computational, mm -hmm. we can access our servers remotely. And it actually motivated us to work on research related to detecting COVID-19 related deterioration mm. using real world data. And that's mm. something we're actually going to be touching upon in just a few moments. Um, going back to your study, I found one thing interesting, which is the fact that you were able to compare the performance of the train network, the algorithm, the AI, to about 10 board certified breast radiologists. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about the study and which was able to outperform the other? Sure, so we selected um, around 663 exams, full ultrasound exams, and we asked the radiologists to go through those exams and uh, assign a probability where they think there's cancer within a breast. Um, and we even provided them with additional information like the patient's age and the Brinton annotations that are around an ultrasound image. And then we compared the performance of the AI with those 10 radiologists on the same set of mm. 600, around 600 images, mm -hmm. exams. And um, the AI achieved a higher performance in terms of both sensitivity and specificity. And then the most exciting part is that we actually tried combining the uh, predictions of the um, AI with the average reader. Mm -hmm. And that even boosted the performance of the readers even further. So this really emphasizes the point that the future of integrating AI into healthcare is to combine the predictions of both the human um, clinician or the practitioner with the AI models. 
And I like this because it does not mean that just using AI is going to put doctors at rest. We're not going to be depending on them, but rather it's kind of like a collaboration between both, getting mm -hmm. yeah. kind of I like mean, the best I of mean, both worlds. This isn't the first time we've seen AI being used in the medical field. Uh, Omni and I have talked about it a lot, how AI will help doctors, aid doctors, you know, kind of like an assistant to that doctors but again uh, I, I do believe at one point in time a lot of things or will be you know heavily dependent on Shifted. AI yeah in general yes indeed coming up on today's show we're also going to be talking about another use of AI artificial intelligence was actually capable of kind of detecting whether or not a COVID-19 patient's case will be deteriorating over time how is that coming in handy we're going to be talking about it in just a few moments with Farah Shamoud so if you have any questions make sure you share them with us at 4215 door it to or sign into our dms at pulse 95 radio yes but don't go local you're listening to pulse 95 pulse 95 this is future talk future talk future talk with omnial saleh and Hani balkas at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, doctors, nurses, everyone working in the healthcare industry, they were kind of struggling to know how to prioritize patients. Mm -hmm. We had a limited number of beds, limited number of care because we had so many cases and it was a very big struggle trying to find out which do you prioritize? Who do you give a respirator to? Who do you give the bed to? And a lot of people actually lost their lives because there was just not enough support for them but using artificial intelligence can definitely come in handy to prepare for a disaster so we're going to be talking all about how ai is actually helping us detect how covid19 patients and when they're going to be deteriorating so that we can better prepare for their care joining us today is farah shamoud who has actually done a lot of research when it comes to this topic especially during her work on using artificial intelligence to better detect uh, breast cancer imaging and breast cancer detection in general. You have actually worked on this research prior to COVID-19, but actually during the pandemic. And I feel like this might have actually helped you prepare and help us during the COVID-19 pandemic. So can you talk to us a little bit more about your research? Sure. So um, during the, actually before the pandemic, I had completed my PhD in AI for detection of deterioration on hospital wards at the University of Oxford. And um, so when the pandemic first started, I felt like my work is very useful because during the pandemic, especially in the emergency department, mm -hmm. uh, it was very difficult to triage patients efficiently uh, because patients, um, once they arrive to the ED, as you mentioned, there's, there, there's like low resources in general because there are so many patients arriving at the same time. So what we wanted to do then is to actually use uh, chest X-ray imaging mm -hmm. to help in patient triage, COVID-19 patients. And um, that's because the disease COVID-19 mainly manifests in the chest. And th so we used, we developed a deep neural network that uh, looks into the chest and predicts whether a patient would deteriorate, mm. as in um, die or go into the ICU or even require mechanical ventilation within the next 24 to 96 hours. And we developed the system using patient data collected in New York from real COVID-19 patients. And mm -hmm. the results are quite promising and illustrate the potential of AI in patient triage. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, what kind of influenced you to study AI? A very good question. Um, so I was always, I was always passionate about uh, STEM subjects, mm -hmm. I would say. And the first time I tried programming, I was really amazed by 
the impact of technology and the future of technology uh, in our lives. So um, I got into computer programming and then I became interested in AI and data science. Mm -hmm. But I was also very passionate about healthcare mm -hmm. uh, because uh, of uh, primarily personal experiences mm -hmm. with uh, relatives who um, struggled with the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. Some of them had cancer. And so I was really determined to work on something that would really improve and advance patient care. Mm -hmm. And this is how I ended up in AI and healthcare. Beautiful. Beautiful, honestly. And especially now more than ever, we've actually seen the role of innovation when it comes to the healthcare industry. It has saved the lives of many. And we are only witnessing kind of a snippet of what's going to be coming in just the near future. Yes, and Farah, we do appreciate your work. I mean, again, this will change lives for a lot of people, hopefully, inshallah. And again, uh, I commend you and I, and, and I'm proud of you, you know? Thank you. And <laughs> we're looking forward to see what's next for Farah. Absolutely. Farah Shamout, Assistant Professor and Emerging Scholar at NYU Abu Dhabi, thanks a lot for joining us. And we wish you the very best in all of your future endeavors. Thank you both for having me. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. Hopefully soon we'll see you again with something new. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude Future Talk for today. I hope you guys did have a lot of fun and it was interesting uh, for you guys. I mean, I was very, you know, I was very focused today. Right? It was a very heavy. I, I learned I learned a lot of new <laughs> so, stuff, right? True. And you know, I'm I'm very I pay close attention when it's something that is new to me. True. This was all new to me. So again, thank you, Farah, for <laughs> you know you taught me a lot today. Thanks. We hope you all also benefited from the show, and we wish you a very productive start to your week. Catch us again tomorrow, same time, same place, only here on Fu Pulse. It's okay, only here <laughs> on Future Talk, only on Pulse ninety five. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 2 p.m.